It's Friday, November 13th. Welcome to the Peak Weekly. We're breaking down the most complex Canadian and global business stories and giving you the bullet points you need to stay informed. I'm your host, Brett Chang. Our first story is about high-speed internet. Millions of Canadians don't have it, and our government is looking to the stars to try and change that. Our next story is about the Supreme acquisition and the story of how James Jebbia turned a t-shirt brand into a $2 billion business. And finally, COVID is back in Canada, and it's back in a big way. We're going to break down the numbers, what governments are doing about it, and how it'll impact our recovery. We love learning on the Peak Weekly, and here are three things that you'll learn this week. One is how low-Earth satellites are going to change the world for the better. Two, the story of streetwear brand Supreme and the role of private equity in its growth. And three, what the spike in COVID cases means for our economic recovery. We love getting Apple Podcast reviews for the Peak Weekly, so each week we can give a big shout-out to our favorite review. This week it's from Big Meg 1306 Meg says, A healthy diet of the daily newsletter and this podcast has allowed me to more confidently shut down men who try to explain the world's facts to me. We couldn't agree more, and we are here for it. We hope to end the patriarchy and stop mansplaining once and for all. That's why the Peak Weekly exists. And if you want to hear your review shouted out in this podcast too, please leave one. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us five stars, and leave a review. We really do appreciate it. And let's get into the story. Our first story is packed with a bunch of knowledge that you probably didn't even know about. For example, did you know that only 40% of rural Canadian communities have access to high-speed internet? Probably not, because odds are you live in one of our country's cities. But it's a real problem, and here's why. High-speed internet is essential for participating in the modern economy, and it's becoming even more important after COVID-19. Rural Canadians without access are at a huge disadvantage to urban Canadians. They don't have access to the same work opportunities, it's harder for their kids to get a quality education, and it even makes it tough for them to see a doctor. Worst of all, Indigenous communities who are disproportionately in rural Canada and already disadvantaged by institutional racism are hardest hit by this technological divide. But a combination of public policy and innovation might finally bring reliable high-speed internet access to all Canadians. Let's break that down. On the public policy front, last week Prime Minister Trudeau announced a $1.75 billion universal broadband fund. Those funds will be used to build and expand broadband internet infrastructure in rural Canada. And according to the Prime Minister, this program is on track to connect 98% of Canadians by 2026. But it's not just funding that makes this possible. Enter space. A new technology called Low Earth Orbit Satellites is making it possible to beam an internet connection from space rather than from cell towers as is currently done. But how does it work? Well, as we speak, thousands of satellites are being launched into Earth's low orbit and are forming a constellation that will beam high-speed internet connections to some of the world's most remote communities. Tests show that the satellites can offer over 100 megabytes per second of download speeds and 40 megabytes per second of upload speeds. But who are the players? Well, SpaceX Starlink project is the leader. The U.S.'s Federal Trade Commission has permitted SpaceX to launch 12,000 low-Earth satellites and potentially 30,000 more down the road. To put this in context, only 9,000 satellites have ever been launched in our history. Starlink recently received approval to launch their service in Canada and plans to begin operations by 2020, with near-global coverage by 2021. Among Starlink's rivals are Ottawa-based Telesat, who plan to deploy their own network of low-Earth orbit satellites. Telesat got a huge boost last week from the federal government, who included a $600 million agreement with the space company as part of their universal broadband initiative. So why should you care about all this? 
Even if you don't live in rural Canada, this is a huge deal. For decades now, Canadian telcos like Bell and Rogers have argued that their high fees that they charge on phone and internet bills are to make up for their investments in infrastructure to service rural Canada. If that infrastructure is redundant, their argument falls flat, meaning the government will have significantly more freedom to pressure the telcos to reduce fees on consumers like you and me. And not only is rural broadband good as an opportunity equalizer for rural Canada, but it could also transform how we access internet and how much we pay on our phone and internet bills. Calling all fashionable peak readers, this next story is for you. It's about the business of fashion and VF Corp's $2 billion acquisition of Supreme. Even if you don't know Supreme, you definitely will recognize the logo. It's the iconic red box with the white Supreme text in the middle of it, and it's seemingly worth a lot of money because VF Corp, a Colorado-based house of apparel brand, just bought it for $2 billion American. So what's the story here? Well, in 1994, James Jebbia opened a skate shop in New York and sold custom tees. Jebbia's store, Supreme, was spotted by Japanese investors who convinced him to open three locations in Japan. Japan was and is a cultural trendsetter, so as the brand began to take off, Jebbia slowly brought it back to the U.S., returning to great fanfare. As much as my mom tells me how cool I am, I don't think I actually am that cool, and so you, like me, are probably wondering what makes Supreme so special. Well, the answer is limited drops and collaborations. Instead of mass manufacturing, Supreme was committed to only producing small runs of very high-quality products. But the limited releases, also known as drops, created major FOMO and drove up demand. Supreme partnered with the world's biggest brands like North Face and Louis Vuitton to create small-run items that Hypebeast would wait in line for days to get their hands on. In fact, a whole aftermarket was created just for Supreme items with some of the most coveted pieces selling for tens of thousands of dollars. And when a company is making money, big finance can't help but take notice. In 2017, Carlyle Group, the world's largest private equity firm, bought a 50% stake in the company for $500 million. But the firm knew what they were doing. Not so long before, they bought Beats headphones also for $500 million and sold to Apple for $3 billion only three months later. And the grand result? Three years later after Carlyle Group bought the company, they were looking to cash out, and they found a partner in VF Group. For VF Group, Supreme, whose products are now mostly sold online, is a highly coveted brand with a digital-first experience that VF looks to leverage for some of their other brands like North Face, Timberland, and Vans. But the big question is, can VF keep the brand relevant? Remember, this is a streetwear brand that was started by a cool guy who wanted to create a skate clubhouse in New York. And lots of questions remain over whether a culture-first brand can thrive within a corporate conglomerate or if the drive for profit and efficiency will force them to sacrifice everything that makes them, well, cool. One thing we know for sure is that Carlyle Group has gotten really good at buying and flipping cultural brands, so maybe look for other big financial players to start trying to replicate their success. Who knows? Maybe BlackRock will acquire Yeezy. Our last story is the least fun but likely the most consequential, and it's COVID-19. They say the sequel is always worse than the original, and that's certainly true for the world's most wanted virus, COVID-19. COVID is back, and like I said in the beginning, it's back in a big way. Here's what's happening across the country. Canada is reporting 268,735 cases nationally. 10,564 Canadians have tragically passed away because of the virus, and new cases have been above a record 4,000 cases for the past few days, which is twice what we saw regularly reported during the spring surge. 
Now we do know a lot more about COVID than we did six months ago, and so we have a pretty good idea of what's causing the surge. Simply put, it's the winter and complacency. Colder weather is forcing Canadians inside, and indoor environments are where the virus thrives and spread is the highest. But weather isn't the only factor. The summer made us complacent. Warm weather and low cases convinced many of us that the worst of the virus was over. You might see this in your own social circle, but it feels like everyone is taking the virus a little bit less seriously than they were in the spring, even as cases spike. That, plus the cold weather, is creating the perfect conditions for a second wave of coronavirus. So what are our governments doing about it? In Manitoba and parts of BC, they've banned all social gatherings, and Manitoba has gone so far as to close brick-and-mortar retail. Alberta is considering another two-week lockdown. Toronto is defying the province of Ontario and banning indoor dining and group fitness. And many parts of Quebec are still in a red zone, which bans indoor dining, bars, and nightclubs. It's all looking pretty scary, but what does this second wave mean for our economic recovery? Well, in short, it's not good. Job numbers from last Friday show that the unemployment rate is stagnant, falling from only 9% to 8.9% and creating 83,600 new jobs. Now, this is a steep drop from September and August when 378,000 and 246,000 new jobs were created respectively. Unfortunately, it's becoming apparent that there will be no quick recovery to a pre-COVID economy. And whether the economy can pick up pace will depend on how well we control the virus. If, as it's looking like, the second wave continues into the winter, we may have to wait until the warm weather returns or a vaccine becomes available to see the economy pick up again. Either way, the peak has you covered. Subscribe to the daily newsletter to get the latest COVID news. Before you go, we do love to give a big shout out to an exciting Canadian tech startup. This week, we are talking about eWebinar. eWebinar is an automated webinar solution that combines pre-recorded video with live chat and real-time interactions to consistently deliver an engaging experience for attendees without you needing to be there to present. It's super cool. It works really well during COVID-19. And if you want to learn more, you can check them out at eWebinar.com. And that's all for The Peak Weekly. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review. For more of The Peak, you can get our free morning newsletter by subscribing at readthepeak.com. It's informative, witty, and everything you need to know to start your day.